This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the show of my podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where I, Shane Told, your host, speak to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. Yeah, welcome. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. I had a bit of a messy weekend uh, in Las Vegas with my best friends for a bachelor party. And I got to be honest, man, for my age, I haven't done a lot of bachelor parties. I think that's because most of my friends haven't gotten married. But uh, congratulations to Aaron, uh, my buddy, for uh, (laughs) taking the plunge. And uh, we had a blast. And the reason this podcast is a day late is because I got home on Monday and I just couldn't even... (laughs) couldn't even think about doing anything. So sorry for the delay on getting this episode out. I got to say though, this is a great one worth the wait of a day or so. We have Corey Lockwood of Sufferer, formerly of A Lot Like Birds on the show. And just a few weeks ago, we had a great episode with Kurt Travis, a very honest discussion with Kurt about A Lot Like Birds among his other projects. And I thought it made sense to hit up Corey and be like, hey, let's let's talk, man, because a lot like Birds is a band that I think has such a great core group of fans and a lot of people are asking what happened and a lot of people are sad the band's gone because they made some incredible music. So we talk about that. We also talk about Sufferer's new band, which is a very different approach to a band, to music. It isn't just a bunch of guys getting in a room, you know, making some sounds and figuring it out later. This band has an approach. It's all about the discussion of depression, of anxiety. 
that lives within so many of us. And the band members have all struggled with their own issues. This band is making a statement about this through their music. And as I say to Corey, just some great tunes as well, man. Awesome, awesome band. So that's going on. Corey has a book he's writing right now. We talk about all this and more. Sit back, enjoy. I have another fine episode for y'all. I want to welcome everybody who signed up for the Weed Singer Syndrome All Access Club in the last few weeks. There are so many of you. It is wild. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Thank you for the support. If you're interested in joining this thing, check it out. LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash all access. For as little as $6 a month, it gets you in. It helps me out. It keeps the lights on around here. And of course, there's perks like bonus episodes. But the biggest thing, I think, is joining this community. We have an amazing community now of 300 plus strong. We talk about music. We talk about sports. We talk about films. We talk about just about everything. And uh, it really is a great group and I love y'all. And uh, yeah, check it out. You can get stuff sent to your houses, all kinds of perks, Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise. It is a good time. Again, the link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Yes, welcome all of my sinners. Now, I know music and sports don't always go together. There's the cliche, you know, punks versus the jocks kind of thing that goes on. But I'm a huge sports fan. And this is my favorite time of year for sports. Hey, man, the Blue Jays, I got to say, Yankees are hurt. Red Sox aren't winning. You never know. Maybe they'll sneak in there with some young guys. I want to hear your take on who you think is going to win the World Series this year, the NHL Stanley Cup, the NBA Championship. Is it all Toronto? It might all be Toronto this year. If you're mad at me, send me an email. Get in touch. I'd love to hear your take on some sports and, you know, any feedback you might have. You can always hit me up, Syndrome at gmail.com. And of course, hit me up on social media, all that stuff too. And we've got the hate line option, 657-666-H-A-T-E. Give me a call. Leave me a message of hate. I just love that so much. Anyways, hey, thank you for your support with the show. Here's the episode and my conversation with Corey Lockwood of Sufferer. Skype that much to be honest and every time I feel like every time I open the app it's like I have to update it or something's changed I like I'm like how do I just make a call isn't that the whole point of it yeah exactly <laughs> well dude I'm glad we could connect man um thanks for doing this and uh lots to talk about but uh I guess let's just start with how's your Monday going uh not bad um yeah, uh, woke up uh, close to noon because mm-hmm. I couldn't sleep last night, so uh, it just started. <laughs> right, right. Oh, it's, yeah, because you're on the West Coast, obviously. Um, yeah, man. I, you know, it's. I, I don't know if that's a great, good place to start, but I mean, obviously, you, you got this new band, Sufferer, mm-hmm. which is making some waves with with just just first of all, just great tunes. 
Thank you. You know, I mean, I know that it's more than just the tunes. You know what I mean? It isn't just like, oh, I'm going to, we're going to make this like badass band that's just like rocks. It's like, you're doing a lot more than that, but you're doing that too. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, trying to, trying to hit one or both of the goals was, was nice and, 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 uh, hoping that we were able to, to, to get both captured was because primarily, uh, when, when Shane from hail the sun hit me up to do the project, uh, I was on board before hearing any music because he just told me how he just seemed so passionate about, um, about getting the word out on anxiety and depression, especially in the music community and, and doing it in a way that wasn't, I mean, obviously it's like, it's well-tread territory with a lot of bands, but doing it in a way that directly impacted, um, people who undergo these problems and, and, and the second that we had decided like, okay, we're going to donate a portion to the anxiety and depression association of America. I was like, okay, cool. I don't care. I mean, it could have been folk music and I was awful. <laughs> well, that probably would have been great too. But uh, so why did Shane uh, from Hail the Sun, who, who I know as well, um, why did he reach out to you? Had you guys had previous conversations about anxiety, depression, things of that nature? Or was it like this guy can scream like a motherfucker, you know? I think it was a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we did initially talked to I mean we, we've been friends through music for a long time and we've had some discussions about shared experiences with anxiety um, but I know that when Shane had reached out to me initially he uh, a big thing was that he wanted me to tackle the lyric portion of it because it was super important to him uh, uh-huh. to, to get everything right and um, and we had a mutual respect for each other as musicians and kind of both decided like okay this is the best way to tackle it and so um even when searching out because he, he he it was important to him also to be a, a voice on the album um but he was pretty adamant that i take care of uh of the lyrical side of things so yeah i'm a little that actually surprises me it seems like from the way that you know your press releases are written you know i mean it's a new band so there isn't a ton of information out there you know and that's why we're talking i, I mean to make more information out there but but you know, it seems like it's more of a collaborative effort between, you know, you, Shane, and then the other guys. Um, do you guys talk about, okay, we're going to write this song and this is sort of like what I'm feeling, like you, Corey, are feeling or what Shane's going through and then you kind of, you start there lyrically? Or, or how, how does that work in terms of like the group and writing, you know, music and lyrics and, and a concept? It's almost like a concept band in a way. How does that all tie together? Yeah, it was. Uh, this one was really weird. The, uh, the album was strange for me because uh, I'm I'm kind of used to just receiving a song and then um, kind of garnering like what emotion I feel out of the music and, and writing separately. And uh, this was much more hands on. Shane um, came to the table immediately and was like, Hey, I want it to be three separate voices. I want there to be anxiety, depression, and the sufferer themselves. And, right. um, 
and he was like, are you down to write uh, each of these voices? And I was super nervous. A, I had said I would never write a concept album ever again because <laughs> I had already done one. And so I found myself doing another one. And also it was really hard to write not only three separate perspectives, but to write four three different vocal styles. I, you know, obviously can write for myself, but writing for Shane, I was like, I don't know what his voice caters to. I don't know what Forrest's best at. And so trying to kind of analyze their strengths and weaknesses, it was a, it was a process. It was definitely, um, definitely more planned out, uh, than any of the albums I have worked on before. Well, you guys, are, are you guys residing in the same general vicinity? You're not, right? No, yeah. Uh, we were sending, Shane was sending me all the music. He would drive from the Bay Area to LA to um, to write it with uh, Blake, the drummer. Mm-hmm. And then he would send me these tracks. Forrest is in Montana. Oh, wow. And so, so, yeah, we were kind of doing everything um, individually and just kind of sending a lot of emails back and forth. Uh, but um, for me, since I didn't have any demoing program, any way to record, I kind of just wrote everything um, by myself and couldn't send anything back and just <laughs> kind of told them, trust me, when we get to the studio, I have stuff, I promise. Right, right. But that's that's tough. I mean, a new band... I mean, a new band that lives in the same city that's able to like, you know, if you want, want to call it jamming or practicing or writing or like getting together, you know, a band writing an album might get together four or five times a week, you know? So, and for a new band, that's a challenge, but you guys have like such even more of a challenge. I mean, I guess it goes with the amount of experience you all have with other projects, um, but isn't it difficult to like say, okay, we got three vocalists, but you don't know the strengths and, and you, you can't really help each other out because everyone's in their own kind of bubble. Like, you know what I mean? You can't really be like, oh, well, why don't you try screaming it like this, you know? Or yeah. Could, or could you? I, I don't know. That's, that's like, it seems so tricky to do it, you know, using the, the, you know, just using email. Yeah. We definitely had to do a lot of, uh, a lot of tweaking, um, in the studio, because for instance, for Forrest, Forrest probably uh, was the most kind of blindsided by all the all the material because he was so far away, and I couldn't send him anything. I could send him lyrics, but it, you don't really get a feel for what how the lyrics get applied to the song. And so he flies out from Montana, and the entire recording process was me just going, "Okay," and then now you're going to do this line and telling him the line you know, seconds before you had to walk in and <laughs> record it. And so, and, and I had a, I have a lot of, uh, tendency to, to do things my, in my style. And there were a lot of moments, uh, in the studio where, I, where I'm trying to get Forrest to do this thing that is not his kind of thing. And so we had to kind of tweak and figure it out. I was like, okay, like, how would you do this part? Right. Then? Cause I, right, right, right. cause I, you know, I, I'm limited by how how I would do it. Wow. Well, this I mean, the stuff that that came out of this is really great. So you guys, I mean, it's impressive you found a way, you know, to make something with so much meaning and also just just like I said, it's just awesome. So uh, congratulations on that, man. And you guys are you guys are working on another record right now? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Can you talk about Blake, that? Blake and Shane are, are laying the foundation for that, and I think we're going to go about it the same way where uh, they kind of take care of everything musically and then send it up to me, and uh, and then we'll probably, yeah, just just repeat that process, and, and I'll write all the vocals, and hopefully it'll all work once we get in the studio. Um, yeah. We do have uh, something we're going to do different vocally. I know Shane... I, I, I don't think we've said we want to reveal it yet, but we're going to, uh, it was really cool to be able to do that, that three, uh, voice concept for the first album. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't want to lean too heavily on that for the, for the second album. And so we've found a workaround that we're going to do, um, that, uh, cool. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. And I wish I could talk about it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, that's okay. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people, um, you know, you guys are done your first album and you've laid that foundation. But, you know, now's the time I think a lot of people are going to find out about the band and what you're doing. And I hope this podcast helps, <laughs> you know, um, again, just because just it's awesome. Um, so, you know, you said even last night, you know, you couldn't get you couldn't get to sleep. You know, you had to sleep in. And I read in an interview that, you know, you, you say you're always a little bit sad, you know, and now you're in this band that's based on anxiety, depression, like going back in your life and and your upbringing and everything, is that been a constant, um, for you? Um, it wasn't when I was very young. I, I, uh, I think I lucked out when I was a teenager, I was, I was like an angsty teenager, like most most teenagers, but I didn't really deal with anxiety or depression really until um, until I left home. I moved to San Francisco and um, was on my own entirely and, and struggling really hard to to I mean even just afford living there. And, sure. Uh, well, yeah, San Francisco. And, uh, exactly. <laughs> And I, I, I was, I think I've been somewhat open about this in, um, in a past suffer interview, but, uh, it's like kind of embarrassing, but I, I had a, a, a really negative, um, drug experience that kind of triggered a lot of anxiety for me. Um, I was experimenting a lot at that time and I, I, had, uh, taken mushrooms mm-hmm. and, uh, and had an awful, awful experience. And um, coming out of that, I, I moved home um, for for other reasons, but ended up moving home and uh, started having to take antidepressants. I was having panic attacks, uh, maybe two or three a week. Wow. And, um, yeah, I I couldn't do I it. I'm I'm thankful for it now because I I it's hard to say what path I would have gone down if I had had a positive experience and, and maybe just like kept trying different things and right. sticking with drugs to like form new experiences. But, but now I, I kind of don't do anything. And, and so I have, you got anxiety. scared straight a little bit, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm not stoked that I'm anxious, but I, um, I'm thankful for, the experience. Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say you, you moved out on your own 
and you moved to San Francisco. What was your early life like? Like, where where were you born, and and you know, how did you grow up? Like, uh, as a, as a kid in school and all that. Um, I was born in Texas, uh, and my family moved around a lot. We moved to Florida for a while, and then moved to um, moved to California. Uh, my my grandmother had a uh, had she had diabetes. And she had a stroke and um, the stroke completely paralyzed her on the left side of her body. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so when that happened, my family moved out to California and that was kind of uh, – we now had a central area to stay at. Um, and so we stayed there and stayed here in California until my uh, grandmother passed. And then my parents moved out to Georgia after that happened and um, – uh, history kind of repeated itself. My mom had diabetes and uh, suffered a series of strokes, and and she passed two years ago. And so now I'm I'm kind of here in California, maintaining the. I think I'm one of two Lockwoods out here, and uh, yeah. Um, so moved around a, a lot, and just kind of uh, glad I ended up here out of chance and met the musicians I did and kind of pursued music out here. I don't yeah. think Florida is Florida. The part of Florida I was in has much activity. So, well, yeah, yeah I mean, you never know, but, but I definitely think California is a, obviously a hotspot, especially the scene of bands that, you know, came out of Northern California. It's like, it's, it's crazy, you know, um, what a scene. Yeah. Uh, so, so, um, how did you get involved? I mean, you say you, you know, you got involved with music and stuff. I know for you, a lot of it was about the lyrical side of it, the poetry side of it more than, uh, you know, trying to be like a, a really great <laughs> clean singer or whatever, you know, it was more about, about what you were saying than how you were saying it. I don't know if that's accurate, but I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth. Um, yeah, how no, did that, no, how did no. that all, how did that all like come about? Like, I know you say, you know, circle takes a square was a big influence on your, on yourself and, um, kind of, how did that, how did that approach, uh, happen for you when, when, at whatever age? Yeah, I, um, when I was 17, I mean, I, I barely, I like tried my hands at drums and had a guitar and could like passably play a guitar. Uh, but I didn't have a whole lot of music interest uh, outside of listening to it. Um, I just didn't really see myself as somebody who could, who was like proficient in an instrument and, uh, and like not, I, I, I sang for fun, but I was too shy to really show anybody. Um, and (laughs) I, but I wrote constantly. Um, I, uh, went to San Francisco to pursue creative writing and had no idea what I wanted to do with it. Uh, whether it was, I, I had the idea of like maybe I'd be a journalist or something. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, I lived in the dorms a couple rooms away from, um, uh, Ben who ended up, uh, we ended up making music together forever. He was in a lot, lot like birds and mm-hmm. currently plays guitar for suffer. Um, and so we met when we were 17 years old and, uh, I would just show him stuff that I was writing. Um, and he was like, you should, you should just try like putting, like making these lyrics. They seem very lyrical. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he goes, it's fine. He was like, (laughs) he was like, 
we at the time we were listening to a lot of um, a lot of Circle Takes the Square, Follow Troy, uh, mm-hmm. um, Page Ninety Nine, just oh, like yeah. Sasha, Orchid. Oh yeah. man, you're so, speaking my language, dude. Yeah, I love that, that shit. Yeah, like the real, was, like real screamo. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. It's weird now talking about screamo and it's like, no, 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 no. That's not what screamo is. Like that's, it's not, um, Oh man, I was rolling my eyes as hard as anybody when people were calling my band screamo. I was like, yeah, that's not, no. Oh God. What have I done? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So basically, um, he was like, he was like, why don't you try something like this? And we took a laptop into, um, my garage at home and uh and recorded me trying to scream to uh nirvana's Tourette. oh yeah uh, and so we did a, a nirvana cover and um and we both really liked the way it sounded and uh just decided okay let's let's take some of these poems and things that i've been writing and try to fit them into verses and and make music and we did made a little garage band, made a small name for ourselves in Sacramento and uh, everything was kind of a chain from there. A lot like birds picked me up um, primarily due to lyrics that the guitarist had hit me up uh, right. because he liked the lyrics in, in one of the songs that I'd written and, yeah. uh, and asked if I wanted to be a part of a new project. No, it's it's cool. And, and a lot like birds, I'd say, you know, known for great musicianship you know uh being technical but experimental but also just very i don't know it's everything's very calculated with that band and you come in as a guy that's like pretty much a storyteller you know uh, how did you fit in with that like being kind of around like virtuoso musicians when you're like a guy that isn't really like technically you know like a you know like you're not how am I trying to say this? You're not like James Labrie of Dream Theater. You know, you're you're, right, you're playing yeah. with guys that kind of play like that, you know? Was that a weird dynamic in the band? Like, it's like, oh, this guy just kind of screams. Yeah, that it was uh, It was a little um, intimidating. Right, no, that's, that's extre- a good word for it. it right? Yeah, it was extremely intimidating yeah. because, uh, for one thing, um, there's obviously, like, people like Joe and, and Michael who were just unbelievable the amount of time that they put into their uh into their craft and just uh their like songwriting i i'd never seen anybody do anything more meticulously and and obsessively um than songwriting that they had done and uh and i i loved what i did but i came from a very different world uh i was obsessed with just um playing like little tiny punk rock shows like i mm-hmm. i my my like i had like a grudge to bear against better musicians like i i kind of i kind of was like i was like why why be really good at it when you can just be really passionate um and so i uh i kind of like had to conform a little bit when i um joined a lot like birds and sort of uh, it was the first time I really tried to better myself as a musician. Um, and I realized that I had to step up because I didn't have some like crystalline, like perfect voice to, to share on record. I had to kind of make up the slack with, with my lyrics. And so yeah. my, yeah. my whole goal 
throughout that band was just to keep pace by um, by trying to uh, I don't know one up one up my my own lyrical game. So yeah, uh, and I, especially when Kurt joined, I was um, just going to ask you that, but but because you know he's a guy that's very technically good singer. Oh yeah, you know he's yeah. a ver- he's not an instrumentalist virtuoso, but he is a vocal a virtuoso. You know, absolutely. Yeah, and so that was a that was a um, I felt a lot of pressure when that happened mm-hmm. to uh, to just kind of prove myself. And, and Kurt did. Uh, Kurt and I worked so well together. In um, he would help me with even from the very beginning. He would there were singing parts that I would sing on uh, on conversation piece and no place that Kurt kind of yeah. Uh, encouraged me and and said like hey like like you can do this and and so we helped each other out lyrically and melodically and uh yeah well he spoke i had him on the podcast just a few weeks ago i don't know if you knew that yeah and and, you know he i don't know if you listened to it or, or whatever but he spoke highly of you you know and and talked about the writing of of no place and and kind of how you you know you guys wrote um I forget the name of the song, but it was kind of like you had one perspective on it and he had another perspective on it. And it really did seem like you guys had this really cool connection um, when you were writing. And, you know, then, of course, when he left, it got a little dramatic. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that that was that whole situation was uh, I never know how to describe it, but it, but it, I guess it's easier now that a lot like birds is is over. I, mm-hmm. I I feel like I don't have to like pad my language at all and kind of like like just make sure everyone's happy. But the truth of the matter is like Kurt and I worked really really well together, and in an ideal situation, we would have been continuing to make the music that we both um, loved. Mm-hmm. But uh, every musician in that band had a different idea of what they wanted to do for the next record and uh everybody got kind of put in a point where it was like okay uh only the strongest strongest opinion is gonna win here and so when it came down to it i my there was even a small discussion of okay do we um do we just write another conversation piece or another no place. And I don't know if this was the right decision to make, but I, I, I felt really strongly about it at the time. I, I kind of vetoed that and said, I like, I don't want anybody in the band to write something that they don't 100% back. Um, and that's what I told Kurt too. When, when he said, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to leave if this is the album. And <laughs> yeah. I said, I said, you should if that's uh, if you don't love this, don't don't write it. And I, I even a, a part of me wonders if that was kind of hypocritical because then I ended up staying, even though the truth of the matter is I, I wanted to I wanted to write another heavy record. Um, hmm, but, interesting. But I'm glad Divizi happened. Um, it pushed me a lot, and I'm proud I have like that as kind of a, a milestone. Well, it's, it's a great record. I think like now there's, it's, you know, it's a couple of years have passed. I think the record is really, it shines now, maybe in a way that your fans didn't understand when it first came out. 
I don't know if yeah, you, if you I, think that's I, if you I agree with me. I think initially be hated by a lot, and then maybe, hopefully, after some gestation, yeah. uh, people would grow to appreciate. And so, yeah, I've been happy with the response, especially years after uh, being released. I'm kind of, I kind of have a question though about about just the whole making this record because you're you're working on this album, and a big part of it is that there's not going to be screaming on the record, right? That's yeah. like you're going to take a different approach to that. Whereas you have Kurt in the band who, for lack of a better you know term, is the clean singer and you're the unclean singer. You know? Uh, um, yeah. So when you're writing for that, like with Kurt, and that's the approach, like when he said, yo, I'm, I'm out, you were just like, okay, I'll just do the clean vocals? Or was there, were, were you guys, you guys have been planning on both singing clean? Like how would that, how would that have worked? I, 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 and I've never told anybody this. I, I had a, uh, I had an initial, um, like, I kind of felt that this was going to happen uh, with birds um, for about a year prior to to writing Divizzi. I just uh, Michael had gone off to write. Um, his solo record, mm-hmm. and I had watched him when I first met him. He was in a ska band, and <laughs> awesome. and so some people, some people's roots stick with them stronger than others. And and for me, I I would have been happy making the same music for you know twenty years. And uh, for Mikey, he wanted to change. He was constantly changing. He, I'd never heard him listen to ska since joining a lot like birds, I knew that he had completely left that behind. Right. And I, I felt that he was leaving, um, post hardcore and hardcore music behind. And so I kind of anticipated to to be a, uh, a much softer record. And I got terrified because there, there's that moment where I go, we have a clean singer. Uh, what, what need will there be for me? Like I could, I could, write lyrics for Kurt to sing, but there's no point in me singing, um, like alongside of him. And so I ended up just taking, <laughs> I like out of fear, just taking, uh, some vocal lessons. I was like, okay, oh, yeah? okay. like, uh, if I, if I have to sing, uh, in order to like keep my, my claim in this band, I'll sing. And when the songs got, um, demoed out and Kurt said, okay, what's the idea here? Are, are both Corey and I supposed to sing? And the consensus was yes. And, uh, and Kurt was like, I don't know if this works. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if it works either, but I'm just going to like, <laughs> and so, yeah, when he left, I was like, oh shit, now I have to sing the entire record. Right. And, um, and yeah, I, I, it was a, it was a weird opportunity and not one that I, I, would have ever um, asked for, uh, but when it happened, I kind of said to myself, "Okay, this might be the only time where I have uh, this record that I, I I loved the music on it." And I was like, "And uh, instead of being the screamer on it, I have this opportunity to sing." It's not well, what I wanted to do forever. But, yeah, yeah. Well, Kurt said, Kurt said he's like he's like man. The rec- I'll tell he's like he's like I'll tell you. The record sounded a lot better than the demos. He's like, the record's actually good, but the demos were not good. That's what he said. And uh, it's, 
it's funny that he says that too because uh, Kurt and I were notorious for um, whining and complaining about any song that was not all over the place. Um, and so I remember us receiving demos for the softer songs on No Place, like No Nurture and Karoy Ledge mm-hmm. and everything. And us just going, this is boring. This is this is too slow. And uh, like we don't like this. And they sound too similar. And and it ended up once the record was done, those ended up becoming some of our favorite songs. Yeah. So it is interesting though how yeah how you can say like if you're writing for a for a certain band and you try to do something like weird or different, once the singer has his vocals on it, it just makes it less weird. You know. Like you're right. always like, oh, this is gonna like freak everybody out, and then you're like, actually no, that's just that's the way Corey and Kurt sing, and that's now it just sounds like a lot like birds, you know? It, it's like crazy how the music is the foundation, but in some ways it doesn't matter as much. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's funny. I um, so I've been listening a lot to uh, the newest Polyenso record, and mm-hmm. uh, that's an album that is just wildly different from uh, having vocals on it and having just the instrumentation. And the album has both versions of the songs on it. It's got, uh, I think, four songs with vocals and the exact same four songs without vocals. And and it's just such a cool... I almost feel awful for, uh, for guitarists and drummers and everything because they um, get first dibs at this, at, this creation process and then yeah. they watch stuff layered on top of it. And even, even if it makes it better, it still changes it. And so, uh, they have to watch their baby kind of put on somebody else's clothes. It's a good, wow. That's yeah. That what an expression. Yeah, that's, it's true. And it's, I mean, how many times does like some guitar player write like this really cool, like chorus lead. And then once you put vocals on, it, it's like, you don't even hear the lead anymore. You know, it's it's like not even there practically. So I could see, you know, uh, uh, and I mean, I am a guitar player too, but it's like, I mean, I guess I'm, I guess it's different for me because I'm I'm the one singing over my own guitar lead. But if if I wasn't, it would be like, oh man, like I really like that guitar lead, and now it's like the song's completely different. You know, that yeah. happens too. And I've always I, I've always um, thought it, there's almost like a marked difference when you can tell that the singer uh, wrote the guitar for it. And um, I think it's that ability to kind of know exactly what you're going for with both parts. And I, I've always, yeah, I, like, I don't know. I know you're doing the interview, but I, if you don't mind me asking, like, sure. how is that? Like, uh, how how conscious of your, are you when you're writing guitar um, that – for instance, like you're not going to step over your leads and stuff like that. And, uh, and kind of knowing, I feel like you have a better handle of when to let a part breathe. And Right. I, I think it depends. I think there's sometimes, sometimes when I write music for a song, I have, sometimes I really know what the vocals are going to do. Like, I, like I really know, I mean, maybe I don't know the exact melody, but I'll know like kind of where it's going to be spaced. You know what yeah. I mean? Exactly. Like you say, let it breathe. But then there's other times when I'm like, I don't know, man, I'm just going to figure it out later. Like this is, this is a cool progression. This is a cool lead. This is like, you know, where they'll, they'll be like some kind of interesting drum fill or like tempo, like tempo, um, you know, fluctuation or something. And then I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to figure out the vocals later. That happens 
all the time too. I'd say 50, 50, it's like that. So, you know, I, I mean, maybe that's just part of that's just laziness, but I really, you know, I definitely step, step over my own myself. I think that that's just natural to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, with, with Kurt and, you know, he made that kind of statement when he left the band and, you know, you made a very long retort. Um, but you know, it was, it's really respectful because you weren't, there was, you weren't scathing, you weren't mean to him. You kind of said like, dude, I wish you the best. And, and you really seemed like you, like you meant it. How is your relationship now with you guys? I mean, I, I assume it must be pretty, still pretty chill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was super. It was unfortunate when when everything went down because that was probably the only. Uh, I I don't even know how long it was. There was maybe like a six month month period where we just didn't really talk to each other as much. We still texted here and there, but we didn't see each other. And uh, and then a while after that, I think it was after Divisi came out. Um, we just grabbed a couple beers and uh, and caught up. And um, yeah, I. I it doesn't feel like much has changed. It felt like we both uh, just started going to different schools yeah. uh, because um, there's no hard feelings. There were there weren't really any hard feelings during uh, during the process either because I, Kurt and I kind of there was a group discussion about what was going on, and then Kurt and I had our side uh, conversations where I kind of told him I was like hey I don't think I think this stone is in motion and I don't think there's any uh I, for instance I did I, I listened to the podcast and I know Kurt had talked about um about trying to find a compromise and I didn't think that there was a compromise and so hmm. I told him it's like if you know if if you feel you have to leave I, I fully support you and um yeah. and uh yeah I I don't know it it's it sucks. I wish I wish Birds had uh, continued with Kurt, um, but it well, didn't. And he, he and I are fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that led to the demise. I mean, it was it was was it too much at, mo- at once? Like Kurt leaving, the change of sound. Did it almost not matter how good the record was? Just because there was so much external things, like, is that what led to kind of the demise? Yeah, I, I know. I, I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, Divisi didn't do well, and that's why that's why Birds uh, uh, stopped." But Divisi, um, Divisi sold uh, better than No Place in Conversation piece, and uh, and it, it, it was a, a successful record on paper. But I think that the record changed the way we all kind of looked at the band. And for me, when the conversation came to, okay, what's what's the next record going to be? Um, I sort of said, I, I actually proposed that they continued the band without me. Um, wow. I, I, cause we had, uh, another part of having Kurt leave is that, um, I tried to sing as much as I could, but I, I, I did, I was, I felt out of my element and we had our bassist, Matt Coat, um, who's an incredible singer, uh, and he sang on parts of the record as well. And so the way that I kind of wanted birds to continue post divisi is I said, have Matt sing, have him um, completely take on uh, like the primary vocal role and I'll go do something else because I just didn't feel like it was my band anymore. I was proud of divisi, but I didn't want to do divisi again. Mm. I, I, 
Um, well, I mean, he's still though. I mean, you were a band. You weren't a band for one record or two records, even. You know, you had a catalog of all the stuff. Like when you went on tour to play the Divizi stuff, I assume you were playing stuff from your entire catalog. Yeah, we actually what we did is we played Divizi in its entirety, and then we encored a couple okay. older songs. And uh, it's funny, even even then playing those encores felt it felt like I went through an entire set of Divisi and I, I felt out of my element and uncomfortable and then we'd play those old songs and I was like oh shit okay this is this is <laughs> what I want to do yeah um, and so yeah I think that I think that was at least for me a big indicator of, of right. what needed to happen with birds yeah well I mean if you, you're looking back though I mean I'm on your Spotify right now and Top ten of the top ten songs, seven of them are from Divizi. Oh wow! So uh, I think there's some something's resonating with some people out there. I I, uh, I do think that. So regardless, um, you know, the, the chapters is closed, I guess, and maybe to be reopened one day, maybe not. I don't know. I know Kurt and I are down. Kurt and I have talked about doing a uh, uh, doing at least like a a, a like. Not reunion necessarily, but just like one last hurrah tour or something yeah. like that. Um, and I, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this, but Kurt and I, <laughs> Kurt and I did track something for a different project recently. So he and I still love working together, and cool. uh, and so yeah, I don't know if I don't know if it'll manifest itself as birds, but maybe he and I'll do something down the road. Okay. Well, that's great, man. Uh, well, I want to talk about your book. Uh, that's super cool and interesting. It's called Of Star and Sand and Envy, a book. Uh, so t- talk to me about how this kind of came about. I know you did a like an Indiegogo campaign to raise some money for it. But, you know, uh, in terms of that being a thing people do, it's usually it's like, okay, this kind of one project ends. Well, start another project, not write a book. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that comes with, uh, if I, if I could go back in time and, and teach myself an instrument at an earlier, <laughs> earlier age, I would have done so because the hardest thing for me as primarily a lyricist is that I have to have music to work with. Yeah. And so right after birds, um, birds breaking up, I, I, immediately had, I, I didn't stop writing. I kept writing and I just didn't have the music anymore. And, um, if I had, you know, been able to, uh, write music for myself, I would have done it, done a solo record, done something like that. But it, um, that wasn't the case. So I just, I was growing super restless and had been told in the past by, by other musicians, like, why don't you write a book? And, at the time, I was like, "No, I'm too busy touring, etc." And uh, and so now f- felt like the the prime moment. I was like, oh, "Okay, now I have time on my hands, um, and I can't stop writing. So I need to I need to funnel it into something." And yeah, uh, has Indiegogo. the book is the book come out yet? No, I'm I'm still in the writing process. Okay. Um, I uh, sort of used uh, the the idea of funding the book to, to really kick myself into doing it. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, because that that way, I felt like okay, now I'm beholden unto other people. I, I need to I need to put this out instead of having it be something like oh yeah, one day I'll write a book. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, so now I'm. I think that it's been about four months into the writing process, and um, it's coming along, and uh, it's been absolutely nuts. It it I I don't know what I thought it was going to be like. Um, I thought like a decade of, of lyric writing would have prepared me for writing this, but I had, I've had breakdowns where I just said, okay, I don't know why I put myself into this situation. I, I don't know if I can do it. And then I've had epiphanies and just kind of gone, okay, this is fine. This is good. And it's been, I guess it's been similar to any record process, but yeah, but, yeah, it's, but it's all you, all the weight is on your shoulders, right? Right. That's, yeah. That's a big yeah. difference. And, and even with, you know, I have a little solo project that I do and it's amazing. Like I have to schedule time with myself to be creative. Like I, 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 you know, the same way I would do it like a band practice with other people. You almost have to do that. Otherwise it's like, oh yeah, I'll just do it. And then you just, you just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 there was an initial right after, um, the Indiegogo was funded. There was probably a period of about three weeks where I would open, uh, this, this program that I'm writing in and look at it and then make myself angry because I didn't want to write anything because what if it was bad? And then I would close it. And I did that for three weeks of just, wow. I don't know, (laughs) but well, uh, well, there's some, there's some things coming. I mean, you're working on it now. Um, and I guess you're, you're far along in the process. You can probably talk a little bit about what people can expect from it because it's a little bit foggy. I mean, it has a title, right? Right. So, yeah. so what exactly can people expect, expect from it? Cause I know it's a collection of some short stories, like some poems and some other things. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Um, I, I basically wanted to take all the kind of free form writing that I do with lyrics. Um, cause in other bands, a lot of the time when I, was given a song. I actually had stuff I've already written in the past that uh, was just kind of formless. And um, if I felt like it fit for the song, then I would make it work. And so now I have all this formless material that I was like, okay, I'll just, I guess for lack of a better word, make them into poems. And I don't know if they're, I, I'm, I didn't study poetry. I'm not like some, like, I don't know, well-versed English major and prose right. isn't like, uh, my end all be all, but I, I kind of just was like, okay, I'm going to do something. I, just, I don't know if they need titles, but they're, uh, they're going to be an outlet. And so I have just these, um, yeah, these just lyrical, uh, blocks of, uh, of content. Um, and then I wa- also decided, okay, I can't, it can't just be that I need to put some, some more structured stuff. And so I decided to challenge myself with some short stories and that that has been the the most um I I almost haven't written any of the lyrical stuff in maybe maybe a month this last month I've just been diving into the short stories because it's just uh super new territory for sure yeah for sure well it's been very successful um the Indiegogo campaign I mean um I don't know is it still ongoing can people still help you out on there yeah, it, it's, it being, like I don't really know how these things work. That like they're all different, and I I I've almost had an aversion to even looking at it for the past couple months because I I uh, just was blown away by the initial response. Yeah, uh, 
uh, it funded in a couple hours after I put it up. Um, totally, I saw that. I it's, it, it's it's I think it's over double now. Like what you know what you were trying to get. Yeah, so. and I left an option. They had a clickable option that just said uh, we'll leave it open if people want to keep donating, but if you don't receive a certain amount of donations for a month, then we'll close it. Okay. Um, but once a month, I, I get a, an update where it'll tell me that people are still donating, and so I'm, I ha- genuinely haven't looked at it. I'm assuming it's still open. I think people can still donate because yeah, but Does um, that put more pressure on you? Knowing uh, that it's bit. knowing that it's, the, there's so many people that are really excited about this, and you know, I mean, they're going to read every word, you know. I mean, yeah. or maybe you need that. And I, I do. I think I need that pressure um, in order to just make sure it wasn't something that I could just give up on entirely. Yeah. Um, and so now, even when I write something, if I if I write for two hours and in the morning, I hate it and have to delete it. Um, I can't delete it and just go, okay, I'm done trying. Uh, I have right. to go, okay, I try again tonight. Um, and so there's, there's pressure, but I think it's mostly just with time. I just don't want to, I don't want to wait forever to have it come out, but it, the process has been slower than I anticipated. And so I just, I, a lot of the sleeplessness recently has right. just been, me, if I have a an unproductive writing night, um, I won't sleep that night, and uh, I just kind of stay up, and I'll I'll continue to I'll I get out of bed four or five times in the night and sit back down at the computer and try to write. And if it's not coming, it's not coming, and I can't force it. But yeah. but you do feel that time pressure. So wow, dude. Well, all the best with that, and and I mean, congratulations. It's it's. Uh... I mean, when you're when all said and done, I think you're going to be able to feel really good about that and going through that Thank process. You. I think you'll be better for it. Um, well, anything else to add? I, I mean, um, I'm going to play a sufferer track for sure. I really need people to hear that project. Uh, but before I do that, anything else to add? Uh, tell the people. Um, there's some suffer news uh, as far as some stuff we're working on. Obviously, we're working on another album. Um, there's uh, a tour being worked out. I don't know what the dates are going to be yet, but um, we are going to do uh, one summer tour. And cool. there's um, so it, it Dolby Radio uh, approached us with uh, uh, the they wanted us to to discuss um, anxiety and depression on their platform, and so we're going to be doing a kind of a, a I don't know what the regularity is, but like an episodic podcast and just having like maybe once a month or once every two months, we're going to do just a a discussion about um, anxiety and depression and have people on, have some experts that we've gotten to meet through Sufferer and also maybe have some musicians. So, yeah. That's great. Well, considering this is a podcast, I bet a lot of people listening to this are going to want to check that out. So, uh, makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, well, dude, thank you so much. Um, I guess I'll let you go, but uh, enjoy the rest of your of your day, and I hope you can get some writing done so you can sleep. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Of course, Corey. Thanks. Thanks so much. So there it is with Corey. Dude, thank you, man, for doing this episode. I loved the conversation. I loved the honesty. 
And I got to say, since having Kurt on a few weeks ago and now Corey, I've really been jumping in with both feet into this a lot like bird stuff. And obviously I knew the band when they were together a little bit and I knew some of their tunes, but now listening to them, I've become very, very immersed in this music and Sufferer is an incredible band. Wow. And I love the whole idea of the band, the platform and what they're doing to raise awareness for depression and anxiety. So make sure you check out Sufferer, and I know you will after I play this tune, because it's a banger. But hey, anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. You don't want to miss all the great episodes that I have coming up in the coming weeks. And uh, yeah, enjoy baseball season. April, all this good stuff happening. If you don't care about sports, well, it's going to be beautiful weather in just a couple weeks. So everything is awesome. Thank you again. Here is the tune I will leave you with. It is called Then by Sufferer on Lee Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. See you next time. If I can't